Set a spark to your integrated business and marketing strategies with America's top entrepreneurs and business leaders here at Integrate and Ignite with your host, Lori Jones. Welcome to the Integrate and Ignite podcast. Dr. Rick Brittman is a leadership and communications expert who teaches conscious communication for leadership, teamwork, customer service, and effective meetings. Since 1987, he's performed more than 4,000 programs in 17 countries, sharing his insights on human behavior and strategies for practical communication. He is known for educating through entertainment, using humor and storytelling to make the learning memorable. A popular keynote speaker, his clients range from astronaut corps at NASA and the FBI to Merck, Adobe, the Federal Reserve, and IBM. His newest book, Dealing with Meetings You Can't Stand, Meet Less, and Do More, is something we're going to talk all about today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Rick. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you. <laughs> I think, you know, there are too many meetings out there, right? Um, too many meetings that we got pulled into that could have been managed differently. Too many meetings that run way too long and could have been, you know, tackled in, in two minutes. Too many meetings just to get together and have coffee, right? Uh, without a doubt. Uh, Harris Poll 2015 found the number one obstacle to getting work done was meetings. Uh, well, today you're going to share five key secrets to having a great meeting. And you've just released a book titled yes. Dealing with Meetings You Can't Stand. What was the impetus? What was that aha moment that you've had that you said to yourself, oh my gosh, I've got to address this in a book so people well, can learn? The first book that I did, and that was, I was co-author of, was Dealing with People You Can't Stand, How to Bring Out the Best <laughs> People at Their Worst. And it deals with behaviors like whining, negativity, attacks, tantrums, sniping, uh, withdrawal, people who are real agreeable on the surface, but you don't really know where they stand. Uh, you know, they tell, might tell you everything's fine. and they stand aggressive. Yeah. The bat. So, yeah, exactly. So those behaviors are stress behaviors that anybody can get into. We do have favorites that we might more likely go, depending on where we are, context, and who we're with, relationship. And, uh, of course, in those seminars, meetings would always come up because the meeting context can really shove people into stress when they've got too many things to do. There's too many meetings. They don't get the point. Why is this really relevant to me? And so all these behaviors can also come up in meetings. So talking about meetings was always an important thing in my all my seminars but even though the strategies in that book could be used at a meeting if somebody let's say goes know-it-all and takes it down a tangent the real cure here is to put a process in place that prevents everybody from going there in the first place and because it's not just those problems there's right. there's many other problems with meetings that have nothing to do with people a lot of, in fact a lot of times these behaviors are the result of the problems with meetings well, what, what would be the most common problem that you see across the board uh, in conducting meetings or even well, having them, quite frankly? Yeah, I've done uh, research and there's a top 40 of problems, <clears throat> excuse me, but they fall clearly into three categories, preparation, people, process, and time. Hmm. So like in preparation, it's questioning, why are we meeting in the first place? Is this a good use of our time? Who needs to be there? Are we creating an agenda? People are like the behaviors that I uh, just spoke of. Process, is there some kind of speaking order? Because if there's not, then too, some people are going to talk too much. Others are not going to talk at all. Uh, how do we record what people say? How do we then follow up? That's all process. And then time, a respect for time to, first of all, be realistic 
about the time on the agenda and really stick to it and start on time and end on time no matter no matter what. Well, all those things are so important. And today you are going to provide us some tips on how we can transform the meetings you know, that we're currently in, that we're either falling asleep in, that we're, you know, fidgeting in, <laughs> that we're asking ourselves, why are we here? And mm-hmm. uh, you're going to help us triumph today, right? Absolutely. Okay. So we're going to talk through step number one, identify the purpose of the meeting. Right. This is all that preparation phase. Uh, is this really a good use of time? In general, meetings should not be used for information distribution. Meetings should be for interaction. Cambridge Psychological Society found that the average person 24 hours after a business meeting only remembers 9% of what occurred. And of the 9% they remember, half is inaccurate in some way. So to distribute information in meetings is insane. Now, you may need to interact about the information that's valid, in which case you give the information ahead of time. People are instructed they must read it, and then you come in and you interact. So that's one thing that has to happen in preparation. Second is, so is this the best use of our time, meeting time. You know, like I was in uh, the UK once and the person at seminar told me that there were these computers uh, in each conference room. And when you came in you to a meeting, you keyed in your code and the computer knew what you were being paid per minute. And when the meeting started, button was hit and a taxi meter appeared on the screen, counting the cost of everybody being in that meeting together. Wow. But, you know, think about this. That's only the direct cost. What about the 10 million things everybody is not doing because they're in this meeting? Exactly. Yeah, so it's really exponentially uh, larger. So you have to consider that. And then after you go down that pre-meeting checklist, you got to have an agenda. You have to have a, a, an agenda that is well thought out and realistically timed. I would say there's two things on every agenda item that should be there that never are unless I've influenced the meeting. And one is a statement of purpose. Why is this particular agenda item so important? I'm not doing 10 million other things. I need to just two sentences or less. And then another is focus, a statement of focus. What do you want from me? So for example, let's say the office is being moved and we're rearranging. So the item is office move. Statement of purpose might be to minimize the impact of the office move on your team's workflow. Oh, okay. Now I know it. That's important. And focus is... We want you to know your team's schedule, and when you come to this meeting and learn how the process will be, identify if there's a better time or day that would be least impactful. Now, you've got this meeting agenda on on your website, and what I love about it is just the organization um, of it. It's almost, you know, in board meetings that I attend, it is that standardized so that you fully understand what the purpose is, who the participants are, what a new process might be, um, who's going to be doing what, everything involved in ultimately what it takes to be more efficient and spend less time, right? Oh, absolutely. The agenda item would have the process we're going to use. Uh, are we going to have a 10-minute presentation, then we have five minutes question answer, then we have a 20-minute discussion, and here's the decision we need to make. And, you know, the people who are going to take the point, let's say Yin is going to make the presentation and there'll be uh, Jack to handle question answer. So we know those people, we know the purpose, we know the focus, and then we stick we stick to the time. You know, somebody should, in a regular meeting, there should always be somebody assigned to take some time notes uh, of how long things really took. Because if you do that a bunch of times, then you're going to know hot topics. Okay, for this topic, we really need 22 minutes. This is usually a 10-minute item. You know, you just... And then you, got- you can just push through it. And it helps 
people truly understand that ultimately we've got to get down to business. We've only got 20 minutes or we've got, not only, we've got 20 minutes to tackle this one. Let's get it taken care of. And I think right. decisions are, are made more quickly and not necessarily, that's not a negative. It's just more efficient. Yes, it's more efficient. Absolutely. And efficiency will be uh, related to what we do in terms of process at the meeting. But the, the focus at a meeting begins with a clear agenda. So I'm going to ask you a question on behalf of our integrated marketing communications firm, as you know, every Monday, no matter what, 745, we have got our production meeting and we go through deadlines for the week and we just really ask ourselves, can we get through these or not? What might, what might we have to move? What additional details do we need um, in a situation uh, so that we can move forward with it? Uh, and we're, you know, we're talking through many clients, many de- many action items, and it is the meeting everyone hates every week because it takes too long. What advice could you provide us right now? Because I know a lot of people are listening regarding when when you've got meetings that you're setting schedule, how can you create more efficiency in those? I'm curious, how long is your meeting? How long does it take? It's anywhere between an hour and an hour and a half. And then how are you, are you just discussing schedules or are you viewing them on a projector? or We view them in our job management system and we um, take a look at each client, define um, the deadlines, move on to the next. So those deadlines haven't been predefined like a week earlier, I would think? You- well, they are calendarized, so we actually can pull them up by the calendar and we, we actually can go through each day with each deadline on each day. Well, I mean, it sounds like an important thing to do to get the whole team uh, focused and synchronized. <laughs> that right might on. be our quote of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, but how efficient you could do that, I, I think I would need more study. It, it reminds me of there was a, a great moments in meetings in the book. It was, uh, okay, it's a, a medical team, and they have to report any uh, possible errors or mistakes or whatever and such. And they would go around the room and people would, and then it has to be officially entered into a log in a very official way. You know, there's government connections and oversight and things. And uh, they never knew how long it was going to, and then they realized that a lot of the things, there wasn't a lot to report. But even when there wasn't a lot to report, that took up a chunk of time in the meeting. And what they did is they started saying, all right, if you don't have anything to report, report that before the meeting. We're making the agenda, so we're only dealing with the things that really need to be verbalized. And that cut their meeting time by a third. Yeah, but that's some great it, advice. So, that, so I, I mean, I'd have to, to be really specific. I'd have to look at your process, but I would like to see what, what, what could be done ahead of time or eliminated that would be uh, so you wouldn't need to interact and, and what do you really need? Well, that's some incredible advice right there. So we've talked through identifying the purpose of the meeting and creating the agenda, which is number two. Number three is making it visual. Yes, uh, making it visual. See, there's a difference in visual and auditory communication. Auditory only exists the moment you say it, then it's gone. But if I take a point you make and I make it visual, like I write it on the whiteboard or on a computer projecting on a monitor, uh, you see it, I see it, five minutes later it's still there. It remains over time. Now, I'm sure your listeners have heard people repeat themselves at a meeting and repeat themselves at a meeting and repeat themselves at a meeting. Well, right. if a meet if a meeting is done on a strictly auditory level uh, without any visual recording, and I have a concept I feel is important to the group mind, I'm going to say it a number of times as a way of keeping it in awareness. Other people may repeat the same thing to keep it in awareness. But if 
you know, it's written up there, uh, committee to explore the, that I see it, I see you see it, it's still there 10 minutes later. So first of all, that really eliminates a lot of repetitions. But wait, there's more, even more important is it, uh, you can put the group into holographic thinking. You know, if you think of your two eyes, uh, each of our eyes sees from a slightly different point of view. Imagine the third, they're both different, they're both correct, and when your brain synthesizes them, you see three dimensions. Well, everybody has a piece of a puzzle, you know, if whatever you're discussing. And if you can get everybody to see everyone else's pieces together, you arrive at holographic thinking that takes into account many more. When we visually record what people are saying, not only does it eliminate repetition, but you start to see all the all the factors into it. This is why I asked you in your meeting, will you talk about it or how visual? And I'd still want to see what you're looking at. When you visually do things, you can get the big picture faster and save a ton of time compared to just blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, And I'm interested in knowing at, at the onset of this discussion on making it visual, you mentioned uh, how you know the key point is important and how visually um, that can really just in, in strengthen that point. That, and, and this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I'm interested. What, how do you handle people in meetings who repeat everything you say so that they can be heard? And they might just twist it a different way. Well, you know, if you... Uh... Besides it being completely annoying, how, <laughs> do you, how do you work through, you know, coaching people like that? Well, it, all right. First of all, if you're writing it down, uh, it's just harder to then then twist point, it. You know? right. And and the, there really has to be a speaking order at, at every meeting. I would say that's the first thing that has to be put in place. Uh, otherwise, your uh, assertive people are going to just talk too much, and your passive people will drop out. Now, if we go back to our two eyes, if the passively people drop out, like let's say it's your right eye, you already lost the third dimension. To make matters worse, the assertive people aren't really listening. They're usually listening for breathing changes, and they want to jump into the space and say what they have to say so there's got to be a speaking order and there's got to be a time limit to speak now speaking order can be voluntary and somebody raises their hand and we put their name on a whiteboard so we have a list of people once people know their turn is coming they actually relax and they listen to each other Uh, or it can just be circular where we go around the room which i would prefer because that ensures you are going to hear from everyone you're going to hear from your passive people because there's no competition to speak right and you and you have that time limit. And uh, so in relation to your question, that one person may at their turn say, well, yeah, I agree with Lori because of da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And maybe they just add a little something to it, but they only got you know a minute or two minutes max. So it's not like they can just go on and on with a need for attention. I mean, this is what know-it-alls do. It right. Meet- they go on and on and they take you down tangents and they know a lot, but this is not what we're focused on right now. Absolutely. Now, so that was uh, key uh, point number four that you just, uh, you know, established that speaking order. And then the, the fifth key point, and, and you mentioned it a little bit, but make a flight record uh, to create the holographic thinking. How specific do you do that? If you're recording, let's say we have a computer hooked up to a projector, so we're projecting a a PowerPoint slide. You would just bullet point whatever people say, and we will assume that, you know, if Michael says we need a committee to explore uh, how long our production meetings take, we would write that down, and if Michael feels there's something that we need to add to that, he would just say, oh, and add that that should be somebody from the outside world who doesn't know us, you know. Right, 
have an object. So he would just correct. But there's something else you got to do here. You know, I, I guess we jumped around here. We have the speaking order. We've got the flight recording, you know, which is to get people in holographic thinking. But you also need to keep the meeting on course and focused. So there's got to be a focal point of topic and process. We all have to know what we're talking about and how we're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Now, that that partly goes back to the agenda when we have that purpose and focus what do you want from me so uh, again imagine a powerpoint slide and in the title area we write topic improving the timing of the production meeting process uh, discussion parentheses 30 so now we know we have 30 minutes for that particular discussion and uh, i might also put that purpose and focus in that title area too if people have that in on a real agenda in front of them, that's that's fine. But in general, that really keeps people focused. And then you flight record uh, through there. And when you keep people focused like that, I call that air traffic control. Nice. Yeah, and the speaking order is also part of air traffic control. In fact, in a in a face-to-face meeting, I would say you have three roles. You have air traffic control. That's a person who's going to take care of the topic and the process. You know, maybe it's on a whiteboard, topic and process, and we have some sort of cue, speaking order, if it's voluntary, or they call on people circular. So that's the air traffic controller. And they're a, a participant at this meeting, too. And then you got your flight recorder, who maybe is taking notes on a projected PowerPoint slide, bulleting what people say. And their responsibility is to capture everything and then get the notes to people after the meeting. And then you got your pilot, who's your primary timekeeper. So they're making sure everybody sticks to, let's say, it's a two-minute limit to speaking at any moment. The pilot pays attention to that. The pilot uh, looks ahead and knows we have to wrap this up in 13 minutes to stay on schedule. Uh, Let's close the queue now and finish up our discussion. Uh, So the pilot's job is to keep us on course and on time. Well, I love that whole concept. And two thoughts here. First of all, people have to be highly organized coming into the meeting when they're when they might have a, you know major topic point um, you know in, in relationship to something that they um, need to address. So what this concept does is really hold people accountable outside of meetings as well. So that oh, yeah. when they get there, you can run a, a meeting efficiently. Absolutely. I mean, part of that accountability is if there's information to be read, it go, it goes with the agenda. And you read it before you get there. And if people didn't read it, you do not catch them up. Right. You, you must not be codependent with bad behavior. We have to have a new new the new sheriff in town there's no multitasking you know one great moment in meetings engineers come into the room you put your phone in a basket and there are no computers allowed except for the one who's flight recording but the reward for this you know think about it if people are multitasking that may mean that maybe the purpose of this meeting isn't relevant to them exactly i mean every agenda item must be relevant to every single person in that room that's part of your preparation phase is making sure that's in place but the reward is you get actually get something done and you get it done faster so people will are happy to change behaviors once you've transformed it like that yeah they absolutely are now what are your thoughts on daily huddles well what, can you be more specific on a daily huddle so a typical daily huddle or, or people refer to them as a stand-up as well uh, first uh, five minutes of the day or maybe you have them once you've been in the office for an hour and you report on top three things you need to get done um, an item or two that you might need help from someone on. Uh, do you have any bandwidth to help anyone else? And was there anything that you didn't get done yesterday that you must get done today? Um, and in our company, uh, literally, it, it helps us just you know get on the same page starting the day out. 
and and yeah. it, and it takes five minutes. Well, that's what I'm hearing. It, it would bond you as a team. Mm-hmm. It would get you clear and accountable. All right, what's on my plate? What do I need to get done today? So you're making that commitment to, to everybody else, and you know also the thing about being open to bandwidth to helping other people. I, I would say in in five minutes, I bet that that's a very useful uh, five minutes. I would think. Fantastic. I know a lot of people on our show are deploying daily huddles, um, and that outline um, that I just provided is something um, that can certainly be unique as well. Now, you have worked with big, big companies, some of the biggest organizations, um, whether it be government or um, businesses in the United States, really, uh, you know, instilling in them how efficiently uh, meetings can be run. Talk to us about a situation that you had encountered with a client and how you ultimately were able to turn them into a more efficient uh, company. Well, uh, you know, uh, in all my seminars, and it could be a dealing with people you can't stand seminar, it's we're still going to talk about meetings in the meeting process. And I I find that it's very easy to implement because most people hate meetings and even the person who you know, if they didn't show up, the meeting would be a great meeting. Even they'll tell you they hate meetings. <laughs> and if you go to somebody you're like your boss, let's say, uh, and say, hey, how'd you like to hear an idea that makes our meeting shorter and more productive? It's a rare human being who says, no, nah, we don't want that. What are we going to do for wasted time and misery? So uh, I usually give people a process. And even on a level that we're speaking of, you know, uh, you know, we're not, we're not going in depth, 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 like if we had a full day or something. Right. Um, I had some Boeing engineers walk out after 20 minutes. I heard from them three weeks later. They said they used to have a Wednesday morning meeting. Uh, it always took three hours. The first time they put the process in place, they got it done in an hour, and they got more done in uh, at a higher quality than they ever did in the three-hour period. And that's because they controlled their know-it-all. They, could, they wouldn't take them down tangents. They stayed focused on what really needed to be done. Uh, I remember when I first developed this process, I got on a bo- voluntary board of directors of a national association and everybody was at each other's throats. And so I did an analysis interviewing people to figure out, well, how did this misunderstanding occur? What happened? Da, 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 da. And, you know, just kind of mapped it out. So I saw the whole picture and it became very obvious what needed to be put in place. And that was essentially this process. Now, first of all, right away, all the bloodshed was shed because it <laughs> When you when you go around a room and you're putting everybody's thoughts on a flip chart or on a, a slide, it depersonalizes it. We're all now looking at all the points, and and uh, again, when we're let's say we're going to analyze a certain idea, we're going to look at the all right now. People, we're looking at the pros. Go around the room. We're only looking at the pros all together. Okay, now we exhaust that. Now we switch to cons. Any considerations all together. So there's not it's not oppositional. It's usually it's like a group. Of, well, long story short, they used to have. Um, it used to be two and a half days. You arrived Friday night, you had a bit of a meeting, then you had all day Saturday and Sunday. By the end of the year, and that's only three meetings later because it was four times a year, by the end of the year, we were getting uh, a day and a half, and we were getting everything done at a much higher quality uh, with no conflict whatsoever. Well, it, yeah, it's the, the efficiency that can be gained, and ultimately affecting the bottom line is huge. I, I read in some documentation that you provide that in the Wall Street that there was a study about the average senior executive spent 23 hours a week in meetings, middle managers 11 weeks, and that the middle manager stated that 44% of the meetings were unproductive. Yeah. So back to the agenda that you create and really defining the purpose of the meeting. Why do people feel that a meeting is an answer versus another solving a problem in 
implementing a new idea, whatever the topic might be? Well, you know, I think, as so, speaking of somebody who's been studying and teaching interpersonal communication for 30 years, I don't think people really think about communication consciously, and they really take it for granted. I don't think, in general, people are sorting out what should be done in an email and what should definitely not be communicated in an email. Uh, I had a patient who just recently had this whole fight with a friend of hers, and now they're at odds. And basically because they they spoke about a certain topic in text. Now, a study was once done. 55% of the meaning we make in a communication is based on how that looks to us, 38% how it sounds to us, and 7% is the actual words that are spoken. Is communicated through our tone. Tone reflects emotional state. Uh, conscious mind picks the concepts you want to communicate that then get it encoded in words and language. So you could be feeling something that's got nothing to do with the person you're interacting with, and you suppress that, but then emotional state leaks out. I mean, all of us have experienced, you know, let's say, as a customer, somebody's customer serving us, and they say, have a nice day. Right. Do we think they care about our day? No. The way it sounds does not match. When there's a mismatch, we believe the higher number. Well, in written communication, the problem is that it really is only 7% words. And we hallucinate freely as to how we think the other person sounds when they say it. And our hallucinations are based on our blood sugar curve, our stress level, <laughs> and we've got going on at that moment. Right. So, uh, you know, like... Um, what what this person and her girlfriend needed to do was just talk on the phone because she said she said I was disappointed that you blah 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 and that's just okay the words but then her girlfriend is free to hallucinate how it was said whereas if they were face to face like you know they'd be like oh you know I'm sorry it's not a big deal but oh I was a little disappointed but I, I understand you know you can have all this ooh la nya, 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 nya. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna communicate that's the essence right there right. So I don't think people are thoughtful in the general about communication and uh, definitely not about meetings. And then they just don't have the skill. Either. You know, it's very seldom that there's an organization that tells you this is how you should do your meetings and here's, here's the structure. And if they did and trained people in that most basic skill, um, they would have very efficient meaning. You've got incredible resources on your website, dealingwithmeetings.com, where people can go ahead and download three incredible tools. Talk to us about those. Well, there's an agenda template, so you can organize your agenda in a proper manner with purpose and focus. And then there's a cage-rattling template, which is uh, a template for a document to write to get people on board with trying an experiment with meetings. So you can give it to your manager, and you know it'll really influence them to do an experiment. And I'd say that's the way you really get things going. You suggest to people, here's a process that make my, our meetings shorter and more productive. Let's do an experiment once or twice. Usually everybody's willing to try something. And once they try it, they grab it like a life preserver. So there's also um, uh, available a webinar there and uh, uh, bulk books for a whole team and team training. If you want, I will virtually or in person train your team to transform their meetings dealingwithmeetings.com which is incredible i've actually been to the website and downloaded both of those documents um and they're very very effective and you know what i know that we talked about the production meeting that we have i've already got an idea based on everything that you said on how we can ultimately run them more efficient and i will follow up with you and let you know about that because you will uh, be interested <laughs> absolutely i'd love to hear it well, Dr. Rick Brinkman, we've enjoyed so much having you on the Integrate and Ignite podcast today. Let's remember, 67% of meetings are unproductive, wastes of time, costing businesses over $37 billion a year. And you've got incredible tips now on how to run your meetings more efficient. Thank you again for appearing on the show. Yeah. 
my pleasure. Thanks for having me. This episode is complete, but the inspiration has just begun. Head over to avocetcommunications.com for show notes and more aha moments. Tune in regularly to ignite your integrated business and marketing strategies with Lori Jones and the Integrate and Ignite podcast.